We're going to be looking in Joshua tonight, the Old Testament book of Joshua. And uh, I really struggled uh, with what to call this series, uh, although I don't usually, uh, but for some reason I did. I had it down as moving on and moving in. And, and that was good, but I kept getting an old Hank Snow song running through my mind. <laughs> Some of y'all have to Google that if you're interested enough to know I'm moving on. And uh, I, that didn't fit real well, so I think I'm just going to go with going further. And that's what I'd originally thought of. It's real simple. Uh, the children of Israel had come a long way. God had brought them out of Egypt, but they were not yet into the promised land. They'd come a long way, but they still had a ways to go. And uh, so uh, hopefully, uh, hopefully this uh, series that we're going to do in the book of Joshua will resonate with you. We're not going to look at every uh, verse or, or preach on every verse as we go through the book of Joshua, but we will see some of those great stories and, uh, and how it relates to this general theme about helping us move on, uh, move on uh, with God, going further. Joshua chapter 1 and verse 10 then Joshua commanded the officers of the people, saying, Pass through the host, and command the people, saying, Prepare you victuals, for within three days you shall pass over this Jordan to go in to possess the land which the Lord your God giveth you to possess it. And may God bless the reading of his word tonight is my prayer. God has made a lot of glorious promises to His people. Some of them obviously refer uh, to what is to come uh, when this life is over. And we look to heaven and the blessings of heaven. We look to John's revelation of a new heaven and a new earth, a city of God, and, and we will forever, ever be with the Lord. Honestly, we have more questions about that than we have answers. Uh, but we do have some glorious promises and it's good to know that our future is secure. That's what we talked about this morning. But God has made a lot of good promises to us now about life and about living. And uh, tonight, this, uh, we'll be beginning this study in the book of Joshua with that goal of looking at some of the things that this passage presents to us about how that we can have success in the Christian life, how we can prosper in the Christian life, how can we can move on then to the promises that God has put before us, just like that promised land, move on to the promises then, the provisions that God has before us. And tonight we're going to be looking at some preliminaries for that. Look in verse 7. Joshua said, Only be strong and very courageous, that you may observe to do according to all the law which Moses my servant commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left, that you may prosper wherever you go. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate in it day and night, that you may observe to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. The fall of humanity and many, many centuries of the corruption that goes with it has given us a distorted view, I'm afraid, of what success looks like, what prosperity looks like. I like what Irma Bombeck said once, don't confuse fame with success. Madonna is one, Helen Keller was the other. Don't confuse fame with success. That was good. I could think of a lot of other examples, hundreds more. 
on both sides of that example. It's one thing to be famous. It's another thing to be successful. Uh, sometimes that vision of success goes in a different way. I heard about a church that was badly needing a building. And uh, so the chairman of the finance committee was going around to some of the more successful businessmen as a part of the church, sharing with them the need. And one of those businessmen was said to have replied to him, my mother's in a nursing home. My daughter just lost her job. My son just started college. If I can say no to all them, I can say no to you too. <laughs> Oh, some people view success as make all you can, can all you make, and then sit on the lid of the can. I, I understand that, think, that thinking, uh, but uh, uh, listen, when we are going to be prosperous and successful in God's sight, uh, there's something more. Uh, God does call some people to fame, and He places them in positions where they are well known. God blesses some people with success. They work hard, they have good ideas, good plans, they make them work. And God makes them and blesses them very successful. Neither one of those things are bad things. I'm quite frank, uh, quite frankly, I, I'm, I'm very happy flying under the world's radar. I, I, I don't want fame uh, for the most part and all the things that go along with that. Uh, I'm content with the world at large not knowing my name. Uh, because I know the keeper of the keys. I don't have to know key men or key people. Uh, the one that matters knows who I am and, and who I'm not. And uh, that's, that's fine. Uh, success uh, uh, is, it means so many different things to so many different people. But if, I think we can say tonight that if we're following God's leadership, if we are following God's leadership, if we are living as God has told us to live, then we will be both prosperous and successful. If we are living as God has told us to live, if we are following God's leadership, then in the Christian life, we're enjoying both prosperity, prosperity and success. If we don't have that, well... Luke chapter 9 and verse 25, that great question we saw a week or so back. What shall a man what is a man advantaged if he gain the whole world and lose himself or be cast away? 1 Corinthians chapter 3 and verse 15. If any man's work shall be burned, he shall suffer loss, but he himself shall be saved, yet so as by fire. So as by fire. As God's people then get ready to enter into this promised land, the Bible identifies some things that God called them to do, things to get ready for moving on. And uh, the first one, of course, would be their preparation. That's exactly what God called them to do. I like that old King James, prepare victuals. If you wonder what victuals is, that is the formal spelling of what we call vittles here in Arkansas. That's a victuals. Vittles is what it means. Uh, the New King James has it, prepare provisions for yourself. For within three days you will cross over this Jordan to go and to possess the land which the Lord your God is giving you to possess. Now, we're not just talking about food. Uh, because, you know, the cessation of manna is actually mentioned in Joshua chapter 5. 
So they were continuing at this point in time uh, to get that manna from heaven. Uh, but there were different things that all of them would have to do and things they needed to do to get prepared that related to themselves and the work they did. If, if they were soldiers, of course, they would need to prepare uh, for the battle and make sure that all their equipment was in order and everything was fine. Uh, those who were the priests and the singers would need to make preparation for the moving of the tabernacle. Parents would need to prepare for their families to make the move. And if you've ever made a move with kids, you know how significant that preparation was. Amen, I tell you. It's something else uh, when you have to make that move. By the way, it doesn't change. We just made one about three years ago, and all our kids were gone. But for some reason, I still had to move all their stuff. It's in my attic now. I don't know why, but it's there. Whenever they come, I remind them, hey, why don't you take some of your stuff? It never does. I know why. They don't have room for it. I digress. Uh, back, back on task here. Uh, moving is tough. You have to prepare. And uh, God was about to move them forward then, and it was important that the people get themselves ready for what God was leading them to do. Now, the significance of that statement is probably best demonstrated by the fact tonight uh, that God was able to move them forward and ready to move them forward 40 years before this. 40 years before they were ready to go. God was ready for them to go into the promised land, but the people were not ready. God was ready to bless them, but the people were not ready to be blessed. I wonder how many times that still plays out among us. God was ready to bless them, but the people were not ready to be blessed. And they said no to God. And in fact, it would be another 40 years, a whole generation would come and go before they were able to move forward. And that opportunity came back around again. Now, we tend to think that God is ready to bless us all the time and that opportunities are available to us all the time and we can kind of set the stage for things. Well, uh, God, I, I know this is there and I'll go then when I'm ready to go. That's not the way this is done. Uh, by the time they got ready to go and they got ready pretty quickly after God told them what was about to happen to them, all of a sudden they're wanting to change. Oh, yeah, God will go. But then God said what? No. No. You'll not enter into my rest. That's what he told them. And that can still happen. It can happen to us individually. It can happen to churches. How do we know? Revelation chapter 3 and verse 7. And to the angel of the church in Philadelphia write, These things saith he that is holy, he that is true, he that hath the key of David, he that openeth and no man shutteth, and shutteth and no man openeth. I know thy works. Behold, I have set before thee an open door, and no man can shut it. For thou hast a little strength, and hast kept my word, and hast not denied my name. A door that was open that no one could shut. Paul told the church at Corinth that he had labored and Apollos had watered, but it was God that gave the increase. He still does. He still does. Uh, God opens doors. And there are times when He opens doors for churches. Times of opportunity. Times of blessing. Time when they're given a chance to move forward. And if they say no, Well, that's as serious today as it was then. 
It may take a whole nother generation to grow up before that church has that opportunity to do it again. It happens, folks. It's a serious thing. You see, God was ready for them to be blessed. God was ready for them to move forward 40 years before, but they refused to do it, and the opportunity passed. But now it's coming back again. And so now Joshua is telling them, listen, this time of blessing is there. And so you need to prepare. You need to get together the things that you have and the things that you need. And that's a great principle of the Lord's work. And that is that wherever God is guiding us to do anything, God always prepares us beforehand. They had what they needed. They'd had it 40 years before. The question was, were they ready to put it in practice? Were they ready to move forward? Were they ready to get that stuff together that God had blessed them with? Were they ready then to get it and move forward? And that's the big question that we always have. Uh, whatever God might lead this church to do, we can rest assured if God is in it that God has given us the provisions that we need to make it happen. He's never going to lead us to do anything and just leave us out there hanging. Can't do it. God doesn't work that way. He prepares us beforehand. But then it's our time then to accept that, that yes, God has blessed me with this, not just so I can have it and, and enjoy it, but God has blessed this to provide me with what I need to do what he wants me to do. And that's what we see playing out in the book of Joshua. God had blessed them. He had provided them with the means. And therefore, now comes that time of preparation. Let's put it in place. You've got what you need. Let's get it all gathered up. Make sure it's right at hand so we can use it. Then there's a message about their obligation. Verse 12, and to the Reubenites and the Gadites. That are the people who are the tribe of Reuben and of the tribe of Gad. And to half the tribe of Manasseh spake Joshua, saying, You remember the word which Moses, the servant of the Lord, commanded you, saying, The Lord your God hath given you rest, and hath given you this land. Your wives, your little ones, and your cattle shall remain in the land when, when, which Moses gave you on this side of Jordan. But ye shall pass before your brethren armed all the mighty men of valor, and help them until the Lord have given your brethren rest as he hath given you. And they also have possessed the land which the Lord your God giveth them. Then shall you return into the land of your possession and enjoy it, which Moses, the Lord's servant, gave you on this side of Jordan uh, toward the sun rising. Now, Reuben and Gad had a lot of livestock, and they saw that the land on the eastward side of the Jordan River was very well suited to uh, the grazing of cattle and of sheep and so forth. And so they came to Moses, the story is told in Numbers chapter 32, and they were requesting that they be given that land on that side of Jordan. Verse 13 then said, The Lord's anger was kindled against Israel, and he made them wander in the wilderness forty years until all the generation that had done evil in the sight of the Lord was consumed. And behold, you are risen up in your father's stead, an increase of sinful men to augment yet the fierce anger of the Lord toward Israel. For if you turn away from after him, he will yet again leave them in the wilderness, and you shall destroy all this people. So when they brought this request to Moses, Moses said, you remember that God had destroyed us and led us out in this wilderness for 40 years. Why? Because they refused to cross the Jordan. 
And now here were two tribes coming that said, we don't want to cross the Jordan. We want to stay on this side. And Moses was very concerned about that. And so the people then responded to him. They made this promise, verse 16, and they came near unto him and said, we will build sheepfolds here for our cattle and cities for our little ones, but we ourselves will go ready armed before the children of Israel until we have brought them into their place. And our little ones shall dwell in the fenced cities because of the inhabitants of the land. We will not return unto our houses until the children of Israel have inherited every man his inheritance. For we will not inherit with them on yonder side of Jordan or forward because our inheritance has fallen to us on this side Jordan eastward. What they did is they made a promise. We'll leave our wives, our kids, our cattle on this side of the Jordan, but we will go over and fight with our brethren until all their inheritance is secured. They made a promise. They made a commitment. They made a vow. We'll not stay over here on this side, but we will go and fight with our brethren. Now, there's at least a couple of things that could happen here. And the first one is that Moses considered this to be sinful and selfishly motivated. That is, they were thinking about themselves, and that's why they wanted to stay on that side of the Jordan. Now, he also knew that there was something dangerous about that because if everybody else was on the other side, they'd be isolated on that side of the river. They'd become the brethren of the borderland, and that's exactly what happened. In fact, if you'll keep reading, it won't be too many years until they'd even uh, lost their ability to speak the Hebrew language the same way uh, that everybody else did. It's a great old story that's told about how uh, there was a conflict there and they set men at the passageways of the Jordan because those folks on the other side couldn't say Shibboleth. They said Sibboleth. They couldn't frame to say it correctly. They had a false accent. And, and so they knew then that they weren't of the tribe of Ephraim. They were from those brethren of the borderland, those people that lived on the other side of the river. But not only did that happen to them, but also they were vulnerable to the enemy's attack. The closer you live to the world, the easier it is then for the world to get to you. And that was exactly what was going to happen to these tribes. So they, uh, Moses knew he was concerned that their motives were selfish, maybe even sinful. And he was concerned about their safety, what was going to happen to them. But their decision was made. They made a commitment. That commitment was honored. I've always thought it significant that the Bible says that Moses gave Reuben and Gad and half the tribe of Manasseh that land. It never says that God gave it to them. But maybe I'm making too much out of that. But they made a promise. They made a commitment. And now it's time for that commitment to be met. And Joshua brings it up to them. It wasn't a time for them to talk about how busy they were. How much they had going on. Man, I've just got my house half finished. I'm tired of this fighting anyway. None of that came out. Instead, they had made that promise, and they kept that promise. They moved forward. And so preparing to go forward with God and moving on means that we also need to ask ourselves about the obligations that we've made to God, the promises that we've made. The commitments that we've made. Maybe the commitments that we feel led to make, but we hadn't made yet. Uh, 
Maybe we're being a little bit like what Moses was suspicious that the Reubenites and the Gadites were doing, uh, that they were making their decisions selfishly based only on what was going to be good for them and their family. And they were all focused on that and not thinking about others. Maybe uh, that could happen so easily to us. And so if we're going to move forward and go on with God, then we have to be serious about our commitments to Him. Oh, I'll tell you what, there's so many distractions today for God's people. And it's getting worse. I thought it had already got as bad as it could be about five years ago. But it's gotten worse. It's gotten worse. Every year it seems like there are more and more demands for your time. Weekends become more and more precious. Sunday becomes more and more vulnerable. Wednesday becomes more and more vulnerable. I know you have to make hard choices. I appreciate you making them. But as your pastor, I can tell you, you didn't make them to me. You made them to God. When you make those commitments to God, you need to remember this passage. If I'm going to go on with Him, if I'm going to move forward, then it's going to require that I honor my commitments. Then there's one of my favorite passages in the whole book as they talk about their dedication to the task. Verse 16, And they answered Joshua, saying, All that thou commanded us, we, we will do. And whithersoever thou sendest us, we will go. According as we hearkened unto Moses in all things, so will we hearken unto thee. Only the Lord thy God be with thee as he was with Moses. Whosoever he be that doth rebel against thy commandment and will not hearken unto thy words and all that thou commandest him, he shall be put to death, only be strong and of good courage. That was the people's response to Joshua. You be strong. You be courageous. Oh, don't you know that Joshua was so assured when they told him, we're going to follow you just like we followed Moses. Oh, that was not what Joshua wanted to hear. But remember, uh, these were completely different people than the ones that had rebelled. And, and been so many of those people that had rebelled against Moses and spoken against him and, and resisted him, uh, those folks are all gone. Even Moses himself is gone. Now it's a different people. And they're making a promise. We're going to follow you. We're going to listen to you. We're going to do what you ask us to do because God is with you. God had made that exact promise to Joshua in Joshua chapter 1 and verse 5. As I was with Moses, so I will be with thee. I will not fail thee nor forsake thee. And you know, when you, when you read over in the book of Hebrews, you'll find that passage quoted. If you have a red-letter Bible, it's usually put in red. <laughs> but you'll read through all the gospel accounts, and you won't find where Jesus made that exact statement. Where you find it is here. It's what God said to Joshua. But all the way over in the New Testament, writing the book of Hebrews, God's word to Joshua is still being quoted. Uh, I, will, I will not leave you. I will not forsake you. Revelation chapter 1 portrays our Lord Jesus moving among the seven churches with the seven stars in His hand. And the stars are identified as the angels or the messengers of the churches. 
God is still with us. He has still not left us. And He still uh, works through His leaders. He still sends His people uh, that God that He is with and He is working through. The people also promised Joshua they'd deal with those who rebelled. They said, man, Joshua, if anybody speaks evil against you or resists you, uh, we'll deal with them. We'll take care of them. And so Joshua, what they were doing was they were promising to follow God, but they were also promising to follow Joshua in his work. Paul could say to his people, you follow me as I follow Christ. And I'm, I'm so very grateful uh, to be pastor of this church and to see that you re- the respect you have for the Word of God. Uh, and uh, listen, I, I told you I'm not a, a, a dictatorial kind of person. Uh, I don't operate that way. I might present things and, and uh, listen, if I, if I stand up here sometime and say I believe this is what God is leading us to do, uh, but you look at that and you say, Rich, I, I think you just missed that. Uh, I'm not going to get mad and take my toys and go home. I don't operate that way. Uh, the reason is because I'm just a man. I'll pray about something. I'll never bring you something that I don't pray about. I'll talk about it, think about it, get around with other people and, and listen to it. I'll think about it, pray about it. But I'm not infallible. And I believe if God is going to lead me in a direction, He's going to lead the church in the same direction. And if there's questions out there about what uh, is being done, I take that as a sign that maybe we need to wait on this for a while. You've seen that play out right here in this church since I've been here. The things we've talked about, uh, maybe it's not right right now. Let's wait. And if God wants us to do it, He'll bring us back to it, and He'll make a way for it to happen. I don't say that to go against what I said at the beginning of this message. Now, if we're rebelling against God, we're rebelling against His leadership. If God is moving us forward and we say no, that's a very, very dangerous thing. One of the most important things then that we can learn in life that we need to do is to go when God tells us to go. When God opens that door to move through it. Some of the most successful people in the world tonight are people who recognized an opportunity, had the means to take advantage of it, and did. They saw an opportunity. They had the means. They took advantage of it. Most people in this room, including me, I won't say most of us, a lot of people in this room had the opportunity to buy Walmart stock when it first went public. Maybe one or two of you, some of you did because you was working for Walmart back then and you saw what a good deal it was. One of my classmates in school was working for Walmart. We used to kind of make fun of him. You know, he wasn't going to be anything, but one day his dad sold the farm and he said, what are we going to do with the money? And he said, why don't you buy Walmart stock? This is in 1978, 79. They sold a farm, not a big piece of property, uh, but some, and put the money in Walmart stock. <laughs> uh, he lives up in Fayetteville now. Uh, he's, he's doing very well for himself. You see an opportunity. A lot of people see the same opportunity, but they don't take advantage of it. I'm sure a lot of you folks that's lived in Cabot a long time Looked at some of this ground around here. Some of it pretty swampy. You might could have bought it for when it didn't cost very much. Somebody did. And they've probably done very well for themselves. 
Isn't it amazing how that happens? Some of the most affluent people in the world today are people who saw an opportunity. They recognized it. They took advantage of it. They had the means and they moved on it. We call them smart. (laughs) We call them wise. They had great foresight. They were willing to take a risk. There's always risk. But now, if we're talking about that same kind of thing, how do you recognize when God has opened a door? I would assure you tonight that if we're in tune with God, we're listening to the Holy Spirit, we're reading His Bible, that's what He said in this passage. You don't turn from the left or the right. You keep your nose in this book. You keep learning it. You keep studying it. You do what it says for you to do. You don't do what it says not to do. And through our constant involvement in the Word of God and in prayer where we talk to God and allow God then to speak to us through His Word, then God is going to lead us. He'll show us that open door that we need to go through. We'll see it. He operates that way. And when we do, then that's the time to go. If we can just learn to recognize that opportunity when it rises, when we hear that still, small voice, then there's that time of preparation. We use then what God has already blessed us with. Obligation. We reaffirm our commitments. We keep our promises to God. Dedication. We get behind the leadership then that God puts in place, and we follow then as God tells us to go. Oh, it sounds so simple, doesn't it? So simple. All around this country tonight, I believe, are churches that at times in their life have have said no to God. And some who've said yes to something that wasn't God. Either side of that can be catastrophic. So we hope as we go through the book of Joshua that we'll learn more about how God works to give us success as we go on with what He calls us to do. I don't know tonight what that message might mean to you. Every one of us has a, a personal way that we have apply, to apply that. I mean, it's just like in the book of Joshua, uh, the priests didn't prepare like the soldiers did. The soldiers didn't prepare like the priests did. The families didn't have to prepare. Maybe like somebody else did, single couple or, or, or single couple. <laughs> One couple or a single person. I'll get it out in a minute. Uh, you know, they didn't have to maybe prepare the same way a family did, but they all had to prepare. And what they were preparing was what God had placed in their care. <coughs> I don't know what this means to you tonight. But I hope we'll all seek God and see how we need to respond to Him. Let's stand together, please.